Today, we're talking about emotional intelligence with Jack O'Connor. Uh, my name is John O'Connor. Somehow, some way, we seem to be related. Uh, we can go into that later, Jack. Jack, welcome to the show. Hey, Dad. It's good to be here. Well, good. We're talking about emotional intelligence, and I know that you see that all the time at home as I deal with children, as I deal <laughs> with different issues. And uh, so, but let's get into it as it as it applies at work. Mm -hmm. So at work, let's define emotional intelligence right off the bat. Does that make sense? So what's your sense of emotional intelligence? We've talked about it, but I haven't given you books on it. You have, you're not studying it necessarily in school, but one of the reasons you're here today is because I view you as a pretty emotionally intelligent young man uh, <laughs> because I've often asked you uh, questions about how to deal with situations and probably more than I think I have anybody who's uh, getting close to 18 years old in the past. Maybe because you're right there, but I really do value your input. What is emotional intelligence to you? Uh, emotional intelligence, as I've seen it so far, is just being able to control what emotion you're feeling or displaying to other people when you're interacting with them and how you use that to uh, better your conversations with people or better your relationships with people by being able to control that and knowing when it is appropriate to be, for example, angry or celebratory or something like that. That's really good. So we can define it simply. There's a number of authors that I'll, I'll throw in here as we go along, but uh, Daniel Goleman is the first one that I would like to mention, 1995, many years ago, hmm. uh, wrote a book on the subject and was widely popularized. And there have been... Uh, you know, Time Magazine covers devoted to this. Uh, a lot of attention's been paid to it. And, and I think that we can generally define emotional intelligence as the ability, you're so close, uh, as the ability to identify and manage your emotions and the emotions of others in some sense. You can't, you can't make people do things. But it's three skills, emotional awareness, including the ability to identify your emotions and those of others the ability to harness emotions and apply them to tasks like thinking and problem solving, and also the ability to manage emotions, including your ability to regulate your emotional state and to basically be able to influence others with that information. And I would say in a positive way, we can uh, debate that as well. So does that make sense? Does that come close to the uh, definition that you had in your mind? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like about controlling your own emotions, but I think it's really important to be able to identify that in other people as well. So I was thinking in coming into this, rather than just to be an information source, think of the last couple movies that you've seen. Mm -hmm. uh, name a couple of characters in those movies, and let's just do one of those parapsychology, <laughs> emotional intelligent uh, discussions to start off with. I saw the Hunger Games movie with Katniss Everdeen, the main character, who's very emotionally troubled at some points. But um, yeah, I saw that. So how does Katniss handle extremely difficult situations? Usually she just goes by, from what I remember, just sort of going through the motions and then kind of Doing avoiding, what avoiding what she's feeling until she gets there. Okay, so let's move on to another character. So did did we or did we not just see the the multi-billion dollar Star Wars Enterprise? Yeah, we sure did. And a lot of characters had a lot of different 
emotional states in that movie. Yes, they sure did. So what do we admire about uh, a few of the characters in there? Well, one, the main villain of that movie, uh, Kylo Ren, was very apathetic and sort of an emo style kind of villain who is very uh, confused about what he believes and stuff like that. So he was cast the unemotionally intelligent <laughs> uh, bad guy in the movie. Uh, was Well, it was interesting enough that what was he going to do? How was he going to handle things? We don't want to ruin it. I know that everyone all has seen the movie. However, who are some of the other characters uh, in the movie? Let's just name them. Uh, we had Finn, who was a former stormtrooper. So Finn was he was almost a main character, and then the other the character I, I can't name names either. But I think partly what we admire about some of these characters is that they're able to engage in their surroundings and they stand out. I mean, he was a stormtrooper who became very emotionally aware that this was not a great life, <laughs> and he was just determined to get out of there. Um, another. Uh, the female character, I'm sorry, I'm not remembering her name. She was trying to get back to her family, her home. And she right. was driven by those emotions, but very practical and hands-on and able to deal with people around her to help her get there. And Finn, I think, the same way. I really like those two characters. And then they brought back some old characters. That's right. Uh, Han Solo and Leia and... Those yeah, characters. absolutely. So Harrison Ford is is kind of a curmudgeon, <laughs> uh, but he, but is forced to be emotionally aware and engaged. And when he is, he's quite valuable to the people around him. Would we agree with that? Absolutely. So I wanted to go back to one of my favorite movies. How about Dumb and Dumber? Do you remember <laughs> the first scene? Jim Carrey, he's pulling up in the limousine. He gets in the back of the limousine to talk to this beautiful woman who's standing at a bus stop. And he opens it up, and without going into the, the, the actual screenplay, of course I remember this quite well, uh, he, he, the first scene is him uh, talking to her, and she says that she's from Austria, and then that's when he says the shrimp on the Barbie line, and everyone laughs. I fell out of my seat when I first saw it. Um, so I would say, how would you describe the two characters in Dumb and Dumber. Zero emotional intelligence. <laughs> Very much so. So maybe we have a baseline here. Depending on who's listening to this, uh, <laughs> old or young, uh, maybe there's maybe that's the baseline in emotional intelligence. But the idea is uh, even the people who are, I feel like a lot of characters in movies are, the they're engaged in, they have to be highly emotionally intelligent when others are not, like some of the characters in Star Wars. Or, like Dumb and Dumber, they're just the opposite. People around them are emotionally aware, and they are completely 100% not emotionally aware. So um, we have now set the parameters for this podcast. We're in good shape. So there are articles now that are out there. As you look at cool companies, what are cool companies that your generation looks at that you might think, uh, you wouldn't mind working for a company, quote, like that? If you had to work in the in the corporate world, the main two I think about are the big tech and auto uh, companies, Google and Tesla. Google, Tesla, could I is is Apple is Absolutely. Apple in there? Yeah. Facebook. So there are even articles now 
and and much has been written about in Fast Company, like inside Google's insanely popular emotional intelligence course. Uh, Chade Meng Tan uh, started that course in 2006. They actually have courses in that. There are great companies in this area that are very engaged and interested in emotional intelligence. Uh, Lenovo and Red Hat and uh, many other companies that are interested in that. But so let's look a little bit deeper because those companies are looking not just for people who are graduating from the best schools and have the high IQs, they're looking for people who can what? Analyze, solve problems, be emotionally aware. And let me go over a couple of, of details about that. Uh, and the, how important emotional intelligence is. Interpersonal and general analytical abilities like teamwork, empathy, leadership, negotiation, adaptability, and problem solving are some of the tenets of what these companies like Google and Facebook are looking for in addition to technical ability. As you look at your friends and peer group in high school and those going to college, what keeps you together? Who are some of the characters in that group? And, and do you see emotional in intelligence as valuable in your ne networks? Absolutely. Without someone or a group of people with high emotional intelligence, I don't think uh, the group of people that I would be with would stick together, only because there are some friends that I have that are able to discern when people aren't feeling good or, or what works in a, in a situation for uh, having fun together. Without those people and without their discernment and emotional intelligence, I don't think uh, I would have the great friends that I have. All right, excellent. So as you look forward even into college, into, into different social situations, how do you see uh, the so social media playing into that? Does that help people be become more socially aware? Is that a fair question? Or is it or can it work both ways? I, I think it can work both ways. There are definitely drawbacks and advantages of social media. Uh, some of the advantages are that you get to be connected with these people and feel like um, if they are willing to share their lives, be, be, be with them throughout that. And that sense of com camaraderie kind of carries over to when you see them in real life. Uh, one of the drawbacks, though, is is when they put forward, you know, like their perfect self or their perfectly emotional, intelligent life. Um, that can be discouraging and 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 affect how how you how you view those people. How 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 could that be discouraging? I think that's interesting, and I think you're onto something there. Um, it can be discouraging because you can feel like you're inadequate or that you don't live up to those standards that are being set by the people around you. Um, however, I think once if that is met with um, real life interaction with those people, you can see where their flaws are and where maybe that they are very emotionally intelligent or intelligent in general, and you can learn on learn on that and and, and improve yourself. Well, this Tan, uh, the Google engineer Tan, Peter Bostelman also quoted in in an article uh, that I read uh, about Google's popular emotional intelligence course in Fast Company, I was struck by that because you're going exactly in that direction. Emotional intelligence in, in this uh, review are skills that support collaboration, more open communication, more transparency, and interestingly enough, I, you've just mentioned less posturing, less sort of, your, here's my ideal self. Hmm. So 
that's something that I think companies are looking for, people are looking for in relationships. This shouldn't be removed from those. Uh, what are some of the things that you see in popular culture that make you uh, step back a little bit? There's popular, there are people running for president right now. Uh, how does your, let's say, your generation view uh, people in the media as far as, well, should we use examples here? Some of the front runners. How about Donald Trump? Well, Donald Trump is interesting because uh, he has very basic way of speaking, but is also intelligent enough to know how to get his point across. What comes as like an, an off-putting aspect of him to a lot of people is that, uh, I don't know if you can define it as emotional intelligence, but when he's like disrespectful, like blatantly disrespectful to cer certain groups or wants to get his point across in a very blunt way is very off-putting to people. So you're wondering in voting for him, for example, mm -hmm. or... or well, let's. You might be wondering how will he handle collaboration and open communication with different people. Uh, is is he being transparent or is it win at all costs? Right. I mean, exactly. there's some. You know, there's a scary side without taking sides. How about the front runner on the Democratic side? How about Hillary Clinton? I think Hillary Clinton is a very good speaker. Again, I don't know if you can classify that as emotional intelligence, but it seems like she's able to convey her point in a very um, relatable way that gets a lot of people to say, wow, I'm, I feel like that person seems electable in how she presents herself and how she handles herself. Um, and I think that also applies to Donald Trump in the same way. He presents himself as very relatable to a certain group of people, and Hillary Clinton presents herself as very relatable to a different group of people. And I think that's how both of them are doing so well right now in the race. Interesting. And then we, it's easy to pick on the current president. And I, and, but I, regardless of whether you, where you stand on voting for him, to me, the way he ran campaigns, which was what I was very much interested in, and how he spoke, there seemed to be a sense always with him, and he still is our president right now, uh, that he was calm in the face of uh, many, many situations. And he didn't, he spoke as if he was an inclusive person. I mean, mm -hmm. for crying out sakes, he, for, for crying sake, how does that phrase go? He won the <laughs> Nobel Prize almost before he was president, or it, it's just pretty interesting. He, but he conveyed that sense of calmness, that sense of collaboration. Now, whether he did it or not, I know we, we could have big time debates, but he, I believe, was elected because he showed or demonstrated or people believed there was an emotionally intelligent person on the other end. And, and I think the president before him, George W. Bush, really engaged and did the same thing. They were elected both for eight years. Hmm. What do you think? Is that about right? Do you perceive him yeah, as that? I think I think so. And I think emotional intelligence and how that's conveyed to the people you're trying to get to agree with you and, and vote for is one of the more subtle aspects of that of that of the race because you can see very blatantly like what their actual intelligence seems to be. Um, and you can see like their morals and what they believe pretty clearly through voting records. But emotional intelligence, how they present themselves and through maybe ad campaigns that, that reach out to your emotions and try to get you to relate to them and feel safe and 
view them as electable. I think that's hugely important and not not as visible as the other aspects of the race, but a huge factor in how it's decided. So we sh- we should analyze some more popular culture figures as we go along. We'll try and hit everyone. But let me th- let me talk about this. There was a uh, uh, there's a magazine called CIO, Chief Intelligence Officer, Chief uh, IT in, uh, Officer. Uh, but anyway, it talks more to the leaders in IT and what they should look for. In an article there, Why Improving Emotional IQs Makes for Better IT Leaders, they cited five components of emotional intelligence uh, according to research done by the Adele Lynn Leadership Group. Let me read those, and I'd like to get your reaction. Five, empathy, social expertness. This includes social bonds, collaboration, organization, savvy, and conflict resolution. Influence of self, resilience, goal setting, optimism, of others includes competencies such as leading others creating positive climate getting results and mastery of purpose understanding one's purpose and values and taking actions to live one's purpose with authenticity what's your reaction to those even though you haven't been out in the workforce for years um to those as as aspects uh to be in the IT industry? Well, it's just it's not just IT, but inf- do you see people who are able to influence themselves, regulate themselves, be calm in you know very tough situations, create positive climates? Is that a pretty good description of, of an emotionally intelligent individual as you see them? Oh, yeah. That's a very accurate description and also a really accurate description of someone who's going to tend to be very successful because... Um, you can be the most creative person in the world and make most incredible in- innovations or be the hardest worker, but without getting along with your peers or, your, or, or the people around you, I've seen that in my friendships and my relationships, then those fall apart no matter what uh, merits each party has. It doesn't matter how much you know until people know how much you care. Is that a, is, that's a pretty old line. Does that hold true for friendships i mean in a in a nutshell <laughs> emotional intelligence yeah i think i think that's a really accurate description and you know that's always been the case with your parents right that they were <laughs> they handled themselves that way especially your dad absolutely okay just checking uh but anyway so managing emotions is tough uh in the most highest stress situations how you handle yourself is okay. Let's pick, let's go back to another person running for office right now, Ben Carson. Mm-hmm. He's an, he would be an interesting study, and I know we're doing sort of amateur emotional intelligence quizzes on these people, but they're public public figures. What's your view of Ben Carson? Ben Carson seems, uh, as Donald Trump put it, very low energy. Um, <laughs> he seems like he somewhat conveys. A, a calm and relatable persona, but when I think as time went on, when he was first introduced, that was very calming and relatable to see. But as time got on, he just kind of kept at that and kept being uh, pretty passive, it seemed, while with this speech and how he held himself. And so people kind of drifted away from him, seeing that he might not be the most authoritative or maybe emotionally intelligent person on the field. Well, I think you said the main thing that I just got out of what you said is that people might think that. Yeah. And whether that's true or not, we're not here to say, not trying to promote any one candidate, mm-hmm. obviously, at this point. 
But Ben Carson to me, Dr. Ben Carson seems like the guy you would want as your as your neurosurgeon <laughs> if you were a kid because that level of calmness in the face of I don't know how much information did he does he or did he have to process when he's separating you know brains he's doing incredible neurosurgery how how much does anyone have to help how how about an EMT who's in, there's a life-threatening situation a car accident and they helicopter in or they drive in and they're there if they're freaking out if they're not calm in the face of that and organized and knowing how to handle maybe people who are trying to help the victim or the or the accident and not knowing what they're doing how would you handle yourself so in that scenario you can't have anyone better you do you definitely don't want donald trump or hillary clinton clinton operating on your brain as far as i can tell <laughs> you don't want me or you doing it either right now so that's that's kind of my analysis of him is is maybe that doesn't convey but as far as intelligence incredible and he he i feel like the guy has incredible emotional intelligence but the what it's conveyed to the public and how popular he's become because right. of it, I'm not sure it's coming across that way. So that's something else to to, uh, to look at. But is as you go on and study for the ACT, SAT, possibly, and you look at those things, uh, how do you view emotional intelligence? How will you? How important is it for you to include that in what you do for a living? or to be around people who sort of are encouraged and are trying to solve problems, they don't dwell inside of problems. Is that important for you in your vocation, in your college, and who you hang out with? Yeah, absolutely. Things like the ACT and the SAT do an incredible job at measuring your base analytical intelligence or your practical intelligence. But as for emotional intelligence, a lot of colleges won't even look at you without seeing on your application some sort of uh, leadership position that you've taken in, in your high school or middle school or what your schooling career so far. And I think those are the things that carry over and, and show the emotional intelligence um, with colleges. And I think that's one of the most important things that, that they look at, at in, in those applications deciding whether or not to have you. And that's good because companies now are really taking to that. They realize that you can be the smartest person out there, uh, but if you're not willing to help each other. Your mom, for example, worked at Lineberger Cancer Center at UNC, and then there were times, even in those labs, where they're essentially trying to find solutions to, on the cellular level and others, cancer, pretty important. People sometimes wouldn't pull together to complete a project in time or do appropriate experiments every once in a while within that building. And, and this is true anywhere in, that science is done because of interpersonal emotional events or situations, not just the bigger picture was so important. They all realized that, but not all of them wanted to participate because the lack of the willingness to get along. And I think mm. even, uh, I'll just kind of say this, even we, we watched a, a quite an interesting football game last night, the, the tail end of it, um, where these extremely high-performing, physically fit, uh, incredibly talented athletes at the end of a highly charged game between the Cincinnati Bengals and Pittsburgh Steelers, the emotions were so raw that we watched people literally 
within seconds implode and do things that they knew they shouldn't have done and really essentially cost their team this in this situation the Cincinnati Bengals a playoff victory the first in 25 years what did you make of that game last night well I thought that with like you said the incredible physical skill and the incredible knowledge of the game these players had all it took was one or two emotional blunders to absolutely throw the game away for the other team and I think that actually kind of translates over into a lot of other things you can have one big emotional thing and emotions can absolutely nullify any other intelligence that you have at that moment but it can also be the most important thing because of the other team that they were able to handle themselves they were able to come out with the win in that game so it you know sports mimics life in some situations but there are crises at work there there are situations that you've had to deal with as a camp counselor that could be safety related staying calm staying within the game plan staying uh focus during those times. I think that's something that we all can try to get better at. And sometimes, and we've, we've had in this office, many people in the military here, uh, many of them have told me, you know, I didn't know how I would react under fire or when I felt like my life was in danger uh, until it happened. And we've had people that have won, you know, major awards, not the Medal of Honor in this room, although I have the book, but people have won bronze stars, silver stars, other uh, other medals, and I would I've asked them sitting where you're sitting, like how did you handle it as a sniper when somebody's coming up and you know and but they did and they were calm and they got people out of trouble and they saved lives and they didn't do it because they wanted credit they did it because it was the right thing to do. So Jack, thanks for joining me today. We'll continue this conversation hopefully as you. You move up in the line, but you're in a you're in a good place. You're highly emotionally intelligent, and I'll keep asking you advice and asking you to come on the show. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs>